put me in the movies They're gonna make the big star out of me We'll make the film about a man that's sad and lonely And all I gotta do is act naturally Welcome everyone to another hilarious edition of Talk Hard presented by Walk Softly Films. Uh, the reason this one is going to be hilarious is because our Mount Rushmores are going to be revolving around our favorite comedic actors. So that should be fun. Uh, in the spirit of that theme, I thought I would introduce you guys with uh, movies, co comedy movies from the years you were born. Because we just celebrated a birthday here at Walk Softly Films. Yes, uh, we did. That's right. So the birthday boy who's with us as always is Todd, the ghost and Mr. Chicken, Sheen. That's going back. There you go. The Don Knotts classic. I think Don Knotts first movie he did after he quit the Andy Griffith show, if I'm not mistaken. So I, I thought, um, you're right. And from Frankfort, Kentucky, uh, Googling in on this thing is uh, Scott the goodbye girl stafford how you doing scott welcome i gotta put some thought into what makes me the goodbye girl but i'm, I'm doing well no, i don't think I, I don't think i think about it too hard <laughs> and uh i'm your host the billion dollar hobo alan martin <laughs> tim conway classic right that's right <laughs> tim conway epic film Is, um are, are there many uh better comedic words than hobo like, <laughs> like that's got to be top five doesn't it like just a an, word an underused yeah yeah just a word that sounds especially funny when, especially when you put billion dollar in front of it yeah now i've got a question is uh so that's tim conway is um is that a tim conway and don knott's joint venture like they had so many uh I don't think Don is in that one. Okay. I don't believe so either. Um, Tim and Don were in Private Eyes, which is one of my favorite really bad comedies from the <laughs> late 70s, early 80s. <laughs> Private Eyes was really good. And then they also were in, I, I believe they did The Prize Fighter. Yeah. Where Don Knotts was his man or his, his manager and Tim Conway was, yeah, in the ring. Punching it out. <laughs> there was one about ghosts yeah, think, also. There, oh, there, really? Yeah, there might have been one other one. It seemed like they did like three. Yeah, they Were they a, together in the Apple Dumpling Gang too? Well. That sounds right. Bing, Apple Dumpling Gang and the Apple Dumpling Gang rides again. See, look mm. at this. Man, what a team. Bam, bam. <laughs> yeah. Bam, bam. Um, and there, you know what? I think there was one called They Went That Away and That Away. <laughs> that's a great title <laughs> one of those way too long titles from the from the 60s so listen guys can we go ahead and, and get started because we got a lot to talk about as uh i'm excited to get into it because we all came here to talk about um copa america and i'm really excited oh, hold on <laughs> yeah yeah let's i don't think i got that let's note. get into let's get into it right <laughs> man am i underprepared <laughs> I hope uh, I hope Tim Conway doesn't check into this podcast <laughs> and shut it off. That's all I'm saying. Well, speaking of, you mentioned the the prize fighter, uh, one of Conway and 
and Don Knotts collaborations. Um, I said it was hilarious, a hilarious addition, but kind of some somber news that got dropped on us in the middle of the night. Um, we're from Kentucky. I think it would be remiss if we didn't mention the passing of uh, Muhammad Ali last night. And we're, we're uh, recording this on Saturday morning. Um, it'll probably come out Tuesday, so it'll kind of be old news by then, and you've heard everything there is to hear about Muhammad. But, um, you know, he's probably one of the most famous guys in the world. Not probably. He is maybe one of the most famous guys, like, of all time. And um, from, like, you know, 45 minutes to an hour down the road. And the guy did not ever shy away from being he, – he loves his community, did not shy away from being from Louisville, Kentucky, and um, sort of a – point of pride for us to have that guy uh be so famous and so uh revered um you guys have any thoughts on muhammad i have a couple but he is the most uh famous native son of this state and yeah for decades i, I believe the research you know when they would do research on such things that, that he was the most uh famous person in the world and by all accounts from what i could you know determine he always seemed like a just a good guy to me um and i always kind of respected his convictions that he had that not many people especially as famous and rich as he is had and like the amount of money that he left on the table in his prime to just stick to his convictions i was always pretty impressed by that Mm mm-hmm yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, the you know, there's this you know the story of the uh, the gold medal and um, you know just he he didn't take anything. I mean, he if he if he if he felt like it was wrong, if he felt like it was uh, it wouldn't be a you know a good thing to be part of his legacy. I mean, it it just was it was tossed aside. It, um, he did things his way. I mean, he just, he kind of, I mean, you could say he was very much a trailblazer frontiersman. This is, this is me and I'm not changing for anybody. I, I just, I think that's what I, I think that's what was most impressive is just that he just did not, uh, I mean, it, it, there was no fear. There was no fear in the ring and there was, there was just no fear outside of the ring. He wasn't, he wasn't, uh, going to be Im- imposed by anybody you know i mean he just yeah. it was it was him he was he was who he was yeah yeah i and like he retired when i was four years old so i never got to see him actually do anything uh live or never got to watch any of his his fights live but um he would come up you know we would talk about him a lot and he would come up in in my house and my dad and grandfather were not a big fan of his because they considered him a draft dodger because he wouldn't go to Vietnam or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah and most, right. Most in that generation did. I right. Think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we, I mean, we come from a military family. My, my grandfather was uh, one of them was a belly gunner in world war two. And um, my uncle was, uh, got drafted and went to Vietnam and it's like, well, you know, you, you have somebody who actually gets caught up in the draft and has to go. And then mm-hmm. somebody else doesn't do, refuses to go. It, it's co- sort of a, a point of contention for them. But the funny thing was as much as they like didn't like him, you could, you know, as a as a kid, when you're eight, nine, ten years old, you always want to know like who would win in a fight between, you know, whoever. And uh, it didn't matter who you brought up. Uh, my dad and my grandfather both would say Muhammad Ali could beat anybody. Like 
as much as they didn't like him as as an athlete and as a as a performer they um they completely respected him and and there was never a time where I would bring up Muhammad Ali with any other fighter or any other uh fictional character I used to like to pit them uh could Muhammad Ali beat Rocky uh because Rocky 4 was was right in my um <laughs> Rocky 4 was right, right when uh, I was I was at that age and uh it, you know, that my dad would laugh at me and, and be like, you know, there's there's no possible way Rocky could beat <laughs> beat Muhammad Ali, which to me at, at eight or nine years old when that movie came out, I just saw a Russian kill Apollo Creed <laughs> right. and then Rocky beat him. So I, you weren't convincing me that Rocky <laughs> couldn't beat that dude. Right. But uh, yeah, I, so I, that that was sort of uh, how I was brought up with Muhammad Ali and also his his stuff with um Howard Cosell, if you just want to kill some time and, and enjoy yourself, mm-hmm. watch some of those YouTube clips of Muhammad. Like, that was a comedy team that wasn't a professional comedy team. Those dudes were awesome together. Yeah, and the two of them together, I think, uh, probably changed sports commentary and how media related to sports figures, you know, the, the Ali changed so much as far as that that all of that was concerned and bravado and and trash talk and and yet to still be likable. Right. Um yeah. And let's also not forget that uh you talking about getting in a fight. He's also the was he the first man to defeat Superman? <laughs> I think that's right. So you can't so. you can't ignore it. You can't ignore that. Uh right. <laughs> What were the circumstances of that, Alan? Um, I don't, I don't remember why it happened, but they took <laughs> Muhammad and Superman to a planet with a red sun to kind of even even the playing field a little bit between Muhammad Ali and Superman. And Muhammad just absolutely, you know, kicked his little <laughs> Kryptonian butt all around the the red sun planet. Which, and, uh, thank goodness, because if it had. Yeah. If, if that had not been the case, that would have made no sense whatsoever. Right. <laughs> yeah. One of the greatest yeah. boxers of all time, and you put them on a, yeah, an equal strength level, then, yeah, would, if they had given yeah. Superman the win, I would have been calling right. the fix in <laughs> yeah. on that. Yeah, so... Um, was, it, was he in a pressurized suit? I don't think so. No, I think he was in his, wow. I think he was in his trunks. Wow, even, even more impressive. Yeah, even more impressed. <laughs> that's right. Oh goodness. Um, all right, so I, we can move on from that. But uh, yeah, great, I think Muhammad Ali in, inspired um, and was revered by nearly everyone. And um, being from Kentucky, I just wanted to hit on it for just a second. He made uh, he made uh, ABC Wide World of Sports worth watching. He he and Evil Knievel. Well, that's a whole other show, I know, but. Yeah, <laughs> those two, those wow. two constantly on that show, and the, you're right. The banter between Howard and, and Muhammad Ali was just epic. Yeah, it's crazy the chemistry those two had, and and the stuff, and and the way Cosell could kind of go back and forth with him um, yeah. was 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 pretty remarkable. Um, all right, so um, something I wanted to bring up with you guys um, before we get going any further was. Um, Allison, Alice in Wonderland through the looking glass, the sequel uh, came out uh, last weekend and they were expecting it to make about 75 million in the box office. It didn't even make 
half of that. It made about 35. Um, I've just got to ask, like, I am a pretty big mark for Johnny Depp. I've had a man crush on Johnny Depp for quite some time. And I don't, what the heck is going on with Johnny Depp? Um, I, I did some research last night after I read that. And since 2007, so that's a 10 year, that's a 10 year run for Johnny. Um, he's made, I think 11 movies. I'll count them here in just a second. 11 movies to where he's sort of the feature dude in the movie. Um, there's movies where he's narrated and stuff like documentaries where he's narrating stuff. I'm not talking about those or where he's done a cameo. He did like a cameo on 21 jump street. I'm not talking about that. Like he's the feature dude, uh, in, in 11 movies and three of them on rotten tomatoes were considered fresh by both critics and users. And that's the, like the, maybe the highest paid actor in Hollywood who you're expecting to bring in some big budget and, Man, he's flopping all over the place. What do you you guys have any thoughts on that? What do you have? Here's the, the list? three movies. Yeah. Yes, I do. Uh, the three movies that were that are fresh by both critics and users, and I think Rotten Tomatoes a good a, a good scale because it's sort of an average of what everybody says, and not just like a, a rating. It's the average rating of everybody. Um, so the three movies that were are fresh, which is sixty percent liked it or more um our black mass in 2015 mm. rango in 2011 and sweeney todd in 2007 so even the pirates movies by, uh, critics are slamming those things and you didn't you weren't a fan of even as big of a depth fan you didn't like black mass did you i thought black mass was not as good as i was hoping it would be it's it's like as far as um from an actor's perspective i mm-hmm. thought it was pretty incredible but it was kind of boring yeah like for a gangster movie it was kind of boring i think the thing with johnny and and it's always been is he has to choose his um projects carefully and hasn't always done that and it, in in the early days, like before the first Pirates, uh, he really didn't have much of a choice, I don't guess. And you've got, you know, when you had some things like Nick of Time and stuff like that, it's like, that's just not his wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. He's a character actor, and he can't lead a film in my mind. Um, take your pick. Somebody like what McConaughey has done in that same time period where he's been shooting upwards and he he doesn't i don't think he has the same acting chops in the same way what do you think todd i think um i'll kind of sidle in next to scott on the i think some of the some of the stuff he's done in the last you know 10 15 years since his you know since he's just kind of exploded and been he you know he was doing so much that was making tons of money but I think he, he does a lot of projects that he, you know, he has some kind of uh, affinity for, like, for example, Dark Shadows. And I really liked Dark Shadows, by the way. I think, it, you know, he was he was drawn to that role because he grew up watching it. Was it maybe the best pick for him? I don't know. I mean, like I said, I enjoyed it. I liked it. But I think he, you know, I think he selects a lot of projects and he gets a lot of projects greenlit because of his status. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, uh, he's probably maybe, maybe should pull back, maybe should be more selective. Um, maybe, you know, I don't know. I mean, he's, let's face it. He's, he's, he's done a lot of 
iconic characters. I mean, Jack Sparrow and, um, you know, Barnabas Collins is a very iconic character to a lot of people. Um, that might be it for iconic characters. I've already spoken to <laughs> The second one is pushing it. But yeah. That's two. that's two. And, you know, two, big two, especially. So. Yeah. But anyway. That's, I, that's I think point. he tries, sometimes I think he tries too hard to be quirky. And I think it works again, like, especially lately. I think he's tried too hard to tap into the quirky. Mm-hmm. Um, with um, the way he does the Mad Hatter and the way he did Mordecai, which I didn't see, but um, I can only imagine. Um, the, the way he did Tonto. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, um, didn't see that. That's a, hey, there's another iconic character, Tonto. Right. Yeah. But it was, it wasn't good. The movie wasn't good. Um, very boring and long. And, yeah. And um, you, you, it doesn't, you can't you all think that yeah you all think he's forcing some of those and and uh willy wonka you you all think he's forcing some of that i think he's just trying to do what he does and you can't pin the failure of those movies on him i think uh he's he like you said he is trying to make memorable performances and very defined characters and that's and and quirky yeah it is what he does but i i if a movie stinks, I'm going to point at Tim Burton. You know, that's mm. that's yeah. his film. You know, it's the script. It's that guy's vision. I think, you know, Johnny did everything he could with it. And if Johnny wasn't the right choice, then maybe, you know, that's where Depp has to be careful is the, the movies that he's choosing to do, maybe not be so married to Burton and give him. Because I think Johnny gives Burton carte blanche. It's just like... Yeah, if Tim Burton brings him a project, Johnny's like, "Yep, let's do it," and I think he needs to stop doing that because I think, yeah. you know, I think we've seen more than anything like what's going on with Tim Burton over the past twenty years. Like, you know, does he does he still have great films left in him? Because his stuff has not been doing well at the box office across the board, except for Alice, and it. It's funny because Alice was a huge surprise the first time because it made so much money, and it's like kind of came out of nowhere and people couldn't believe the amount of money it made. and And I kind of can't believe how much money it made that first time around. And then the second one is the opposite; like people are shocked. Yeah, that, yeah that it fell off. But I don't. I just don't put that on Depp. I think he has to be careful with what he chooses to do, and people, you know, because he has to know where his where his bread is buttered what he can knock out of the park and look at the script and say, is this, you know, going to be served by me? And is it something that I can, uh, elevate? Is, is it a, is it a good movie, you know, with or without me? And, uh, he's just, he's a guy that I think likes to get lost in makeup and costume. And, you know, when, when they put that stuff on him, he's probably one of those guys that's looking in the mirror and then he sees the character come to him. And, uh, he likes to do that sort of thing where you, without all that stuff, you know, I, he's, that's just not what he does. Without thinking about it too, too much or going into a lot of, uh, detail, what, just off the top of your head, what is your favorite, what is your all's favorite performance of his? Ed Wood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good one. Ed Wood's definitely one of my favorite movies. Um, and that might be second for me. I, just, I think I've just got to give Jack Sparrow. Yeah. From the first uh, Pirates. 
uh, probably my favorite performance. I'm guessing, just because I think it yeah, is I'm so probably iconic. Going too. I'm probably going that too, and I and I'm kind of like you, where I think he's just trying to recreate that. He's trying to grab that mm-hmm. again. And man, that's that's. T- I mean, you can't fault him for going for it. The guy puts a hundred percent into everything, but it's just man, it just seems like it's missed. And I won't. I won't put it totally on Tim Burton because not all of these have been tim burton films like mm-hmm. mordecai i think that it, people just said he was just so over the top and it was just uh, utterly distracting more than it was funny like yeah. it was almost uncomfortable to watch him do that um and, right because and he just was so over the top with it yeah and that's not him either you're you're not gonna yeah <laughs> yeah the script has to do a lot of work and right yeah yeah that i think that's one where it just i don't know that's the one that's probably the main one that he should have just like turned down and ran yeah. away from. Yeah. Um, but like part of the reason you don't, you don't put it all on Johnny is because like people liked his Mad Hatter and he got a lot of credit for that yeah. Mad Hatter and he's playing the exact same character. It's not like, you know, I'm sure it's not like he, you know, is stinking it up on this one and didn't, you know, it's, it's the same character and he's doing the same thing. So this just isn't as good a film. Yeah. Apparently I think for some reason, I think he at one point had had it to where like audience would go see a movie because he was in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's lost that now. Yeah. That's probably true too. Cause I don't think black mass did that well. Um, either I think yeah I, I don't know I think Mordecai probably hurt him a lot and and uh, Transcendence was supposed to be really good and mm-hmm. was it was pretty terrible um, and those are a couple of, of serious roles that he got to do um, mm-hmm. Black Mass and, and Transcendence and, and just didn't work so yeah I'm with you I think it's a lot of the script and I think not to be a complete downer but I, I think you're right I think his that momentum that he had and people going to the box office for him and that kind of made him one of the biggest stars in the world and, and, and box office draw and them paying him a, a ton of money. I think those days are probably done. I think he's, yeah. you know, we've come to the end of, of that uh, momentum that he had going, you know, we'll see if, if uh, pirates can bring him out of that, this new one, but for the first time, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, sh- <laughs> I'm gonna get really shallow. For the first time, dude looks old. Mm. Yeah. Have you noticed that? Like yeah, in, that's in true. pictures, yeah. like for the first time, he, you know, I mean, he's he was one of those guys that perpetually looked thirty years old. Right. And you know, and now all of a sudden, finally, it's starting to catch up with him. Um, and you know, it's been it's been rough. Another of Kentucky's native sons. It's been a rough couple weeks, man. Because he lost yeah. he uh, lost his mom, and then yeah. and then his <laughs> his uh, huge mistake marriage to a much younger woman blew up right. in his face. And she <laughs> seems like she might be Amber Heard. Seems like might, she might be a little crazy. Yeah, and uh, you know, and she's claiming domestic abuse and stuff like that. It's, it's he's on the precipice right now. And uh, by the way, uh, uh, walks off the connection. I used to, uh, his aunt was one of my clients here in Frankfurt. Look at that. Yep. He used to come into rubbing t- elbows. <laughs> yeah. Was that, uh, was that Harriet Depp? No, it was Lena. Lena. He used to come, <laughs> he used to come into, uh, into town and he would visit his, his Lena and his mom and, um, 
unfortunately, I learned of this connection too late to uh, for us <laughs> uh, to like try to pass on a script or something. Yeah, let me say one thing about Alice in Wonderland. I went to see it, and I I was really impressed by the visuals. Are you talking about the uh, new one or the the first one? The first one. Okay. Um, and but I can honestly tell you, I've watched it. I watched it at home once since that, and it to me that film just doesn't stay with me. Um, and it's you know it's a really rich story, and it's supposed to be psychedelic and all the you know the paraphernalia related stories that are out there right and it seems like uh, a perfect marriage for tim burton for for alice in wonderland yeah it does and, and like i said it looked i mean it looked incredible the voice work that was done uh you know for these most of these animated characters was incredible but i mean it just it you know it didn't excite me i wasn't ex- super excited about going to see it when i did go to see it and then afterwards it was just it didn't stay with me it really didn't and i mean and then when i heard that they were doing another one i was like wow this is i can i could pass on that i just did hmm. I, I was not at any time and i don't know if that maybe that's maybe there's a little alice burnout Appa- yeah apparently you aren't the only one yeah well we can we can uh kind of close the the book on uh johnny but i do want to recommend we've we've kind of uh We've kind of been downtrodden about uh, Mr. Depp for a little bit, but I do want to recommend, and Scott, you recommended this to me, um, and and it's been a while since I've laughed as hard as anything I've watched on the internet. Um, do your all, yourselves a favor, you guys, and go to uh, Funny or Die and watch that. Uh, watch Johnny Depp um, be Donald Trump in The Art of the Deal, the movie. Yeah, um, It's about an hour long, and man, that thing is hilarious it hits on all cylinders and johnny's great in it it's pre- um, it's pretty brilliant yeah yeah it's awesome have you watched it todd i have i've watched the first uh 15 to 30 minutes yeah um, <laughs> in true, I have, in true sheen fashion i know this i know this sounds like a cliche <laughs> but it honestly is the truth yeah well i mean it, it just shows like that the dude does still have some chops and mm-hmm. like it's, oh, yeah it does depend. I think it just kind of um, solidifies your point, Scott. It does depend on the project he's doing as to as to how good it's going to be. Um, he can't carry bad stuff by himself. Mm-hmm. And I and I and I like I like when he and, and uh, Burton work together. Um, it, it doesn't always work. I used to. And there might be some things they need to rethink. But yeah. you know, for the most part, I mean, I liked Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, hmm. uh, but I love the original. I didn't like, yeah. you know, I didn't like Depp as much as I like Gene Wilder because I thought, right. Gene Wilder, well, there were things I really liked about Charlie. Of course, the the production design you knew was going to be great. I loved, I loved some of the humor though. There was some good humor that I didn't think, you know, they weren't ripping, you know, they weren't ripping off the original. It, the story went in a different direction. There were some similarities, but I that, I still liked it. But I would definitely take Gene Wilder over Johnny Depp. Sorry, Johnny. All right, um, I think we can uh, take a break right here if you guys are good with that. So um, let's do that. Um, we're going to come back. I've got another another question I want to run by you guys, and then we'll get into our Mount Rushmore of comedic performers. So uh, let's bring it. We'll bring it right back. This is talk hard. 
Welcome back, everyone, to Talk Hard, presented by Walk Softly Films. Uh, just want to remind you guys to um, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, um, depending on your device you're listening on. Uh, like us on Facebook, share us with friends. Our numbers are actually um, growing, and they're probably higher right now than I ever expected them to be, and that's because you guys are are listening and sharing. And so uh, keep up the good work. You're doing the Lord's work, and yeah, uh, we appreciate it. Absolutely. Keep listening, but just hit that subscribe button. Like you said, right. And then if you like, if you go to iTunes, if you look at it on the iTunes page, uh, you'll see a ratings tab, like reviews and ratings, hit those five stars, man. Like it makes a big difference. It boosts us up in the list of shows and more people that don't know us might see it. Uh, might just yeah. happen to run into it. So that, that little ratings on, so, uh, on Stitcher and iTunes, and then you share it, and and we're golden. Yep, and we roll on. Um, real quick, let's do a let's do a segment that uh, Scott's gonna gonna give us um, hopefully every week, but at least from time to time. Um, it's gonna be Scott Stafford's Marvel Minute, where he's gonna give us the latest in Marvel Comics news. Oh goodness, are you ready? Absolutely. Let's do this. I'm a huge Marvel nerd, and the and the purpose of the Marvel Minute is that I I read all this stuff on the internet, and I know lots of people love Marvel movies, but they're not nerdy enough to go looking for this stuff. So we share it here. That's the purpose of the Marvel Minute. Um, it's a public service. That's right. So Brie Larson is reportedly, rumoredly, going to be Captain Marvel. That she is far along in talks to play Captain Marvel. How do you all feel about that? Uh, I I might be in the minority on Brie. I'm not a I'm not a huge fan. Mm. I honestly thought this the the show was stolen from her in Room and uh, by the kid and like I was really surprised that she didn't she win the Oscar. I think she did. Um, so I guess I guess but in saying that I guess I'm I'm giving it the thumbs down. It feels like she tries too hard sometimes. Like on yeah. Saturday Night Live. Um. Uh, <laughs> Not to turn this into the slam Brie Larson show, but uh, she seemed a little fake and uncomfortable on SNL mm. and trying a little too hard to seem comfortable and, right. you know, off the cuff. Um, but so, yeah, I'm not sure about it. Like, I trust those dudes. They, you know, they have earned trust as far as casting That's goes. True. But... Um, I did. I probably would have leaned um, Emily Blunt a little bit. Maybe she wasn't. Maybe they tried to give it to her. Maybe she decided not to. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was probably more on board with that. But the bigger point being, I still think they should be doing a Black Widow movie before yep. they do this one. Absolutely. Uh, n- next up, did you have any pressing Brie Larson thoughts, Todd? <laughs> if not, I'm moving on. What uh, What did she do besides the room? <laughs> What has she done besides her? Um, she was in Trainwreck. Um, I think she was uh, What's-Her-Nose's good buddy in Trainwreck. Um, she was in The Gambler, which I didn't see with Wahlberg. Okay. What, what was it that all of a sudden Hollywood decided she's the next thing? Cause I don't it, know. It, it happened all of a sudden. I'm trying to, yeah. And it, and uh, they all agreed on it and, and and started saying it and I haven't seen it yet whatever that is like I I, I wish yeah I wish they'd have consulted with us first yeah because <laughs> but who knows maybe we're wrong we'll see 
And let's see, a Guardians of the Galaxy update. Anybody interested in that? Absolutely. I got a direct answer from James Gunn on something. Ooh. A question wow. I, I asked. He does, wow. <laughs> so he does these uh he does these Facebook chats, you know. And more than probably anybody in Hollywood, that dude interacts with the fans more than anybody. So that's why I talk about him so much is I just happen to see these things that he's talking about and putting out there. Like he, he just really works the social media. So he was doing one of those and I've always been kind of irked by a question I had in my head about the first guardians and I threw it out there. And so let's, we'll call this, uh, this is exclusive. Um, (laughs) (laughs) talk art has an exclusive interview with James Gunn. This is hardcore journalism. Albeit one question. This was exclusive to, uh, to us. Uh, do you remember in the first Guardians where uh, they escape from the prison? Uh, Star-Lord goes back to get his Walkman, and they're all waiting for him. And um, they don't know that that's what he went get to get. And all of a sudden, he, uh, he comes flying you know, out mm-hmm. of the prison towards the ship. And Drax says, Behold! Like that, as he's flying mm-hmm. towards the ship, I always felt like I was almost certain that uh, he said something. That there was a second half to that line, you know, because there always is. Like, behold, and then punchline right. of you know. So I was almost certain there was a punchline there, like some funny line that he would that Drax would have said about Star Lord. And so I asked, like, is there a second part to that line? And the answer was no. That's it. Uh, so. Oh. <laughs> Good interview. So if, it, so if any, that could be the absolute most anticlimactic <laughs> point in talk hard podcast history. Yeah, I was, I was waiting for the killer line that they cut from Drake. Right, I really thought that wow. I was onto something. Yeah, that I was man that I was gonna really get like some great, awesome, funny line that I wish was still in there. And nope, that was exactly how it was written and exactly how they did it. So. Uh. You got to wonder if he, you got to wonder if he typed out no or just you know went a little drop down menu of default answers. (laughs) James Gunn is incredible at how much he interacts with the fans. I don't know if either one of you all have uh, the Periscope app, but he does live Periscope chats weekly, Mm -hmm. and he he takes the restriction off to where it doesn't matter how many people are in there. Like Mm -hmm. some people have the restriction on over a hundred people, and and. Like the first hundred in can ask questions and everybody else is muted. Mm-hmm. Um, he keeps the restrictions off, and like I've asked him two or three questions on there that he's answered. Um, so it, it is incredible how much that dude is in tune and loves to interact with with us. Yeah, it's crazy. It really is. It's like I've never seen anything like it. Um, so, so what I, you're saying is both of you have talked to James Gunn, and I have. <laughs> you need pretty, to get on. Nice. You need to get on the stick, really. Come on, Shane. And so the last bit of Marvel Minute news, if you don't know him, Namor the Submariner is like uh, the original Aquaman, except cooler. Uh, Well, they sold his movie rights when they sold everything else, Spider-Man, X-Men, on and on. This week, Joe Quesada, who is basically the boss of everything creative at Marvel, except the movie studio, said in an interview that they have Namor's rights back. Now, number one, any super geeks don't get overly excited about that because I don't think that means he's free and clear. Um, 
I believe he's tied up at Universal, just like the Hulk. So they can't just make a solo movie uh, anytime they want. You're not going to get a Submariner solo movie just whenever. Number two. Now, here's my bold statement. Get ready. The Submariner, I think the Submariner is the most important character Marvel has left in its holster. And I'll tell you why. Marvel has heroes coming out the yin-yang. We've seen they can take the bottom of their sock drawer. Nobody knows who they are. Heroes like Guardians and Ant-Man and make half a billion dollars. They've got that all day long. Uh, What they don't have is great villains. They get criticized for all their villains being two-dimensional. They don't have... They're great villains. Galactus is at Fox. Magneto is at Fox. Um, Even Kang is at Fox. Doctor Doom, the best villain ever, is at Fox. uh, Getting turned into a mud monster and ruined over and over. Namor has been a really complex villain slash hero for 70 plus years. Um, So here comes free advice, Kevin Feige. Please give us a job. Uh, Here comes your billion-dollar idea that you definitely need from me. So here's the story. Humans have been polluting and abusing the oceans and its creatures forever and ever. Uh, A big incident finally pushes an underwater culture over the edge. The Submariner, King of Atlantis, has the entire ocean rise up against the land dwellers. You have... uh, Taglines about how the Earth's surface is 72% water. Uh, Namor has understandable motivation for the audience, justified reasoning to do what he's doing. It's amazing. It's a knockdown, dragout, huge fight. Uh, Unbelievable visuals of water versus land. Um, And two movies later, he flips to help the Avengers. Bang. There you go. I like it. Who? One other put you on the spot, but who would you cast? Don't. As... Oh man, um, somebody, somebody with some dark features for one thing. Um, I'd, I'd really it would it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a major star when it was tied into Universal and Universal was going to make that movie. Uh, I think with maybe Legendary Pictures, I believe. Uh, Matt Damon was attached or was the rumored the guy they were talking to <laughs> yeah that would have been no, no uh, don't do that I would do I would do tall I would do dark features I would do not a you know not a really famous A-lister um, yeah somebody with a, with a little maybe uh, ambiguous ethnicity you know something with an interesting look maybe right but uh Somewhere, what were you going to say, Todd? I was just going to say, don't confuse this character with Namor the Anal Mariner, because <laughs> they are two totally different characters. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Um, just as Turkey a little, a little personal Turkey history with Walk Softly Films, before we were ever Walk Softly Films and, and made movies together, we would play a little pickup basketball in the backyard. And there was one point where it got a little testy between... <laughs> Scott and Todd and <laughs> Scott was wearing his Namor t-shirt to play ball in and uh, Todd took a little shot 
at him when he got a little frustrated with him and called <laughs> Scott Namor the anal mariner. So there you go. It gosh, all, that was, it all ties in. Gosh, that was so long ago. I don't even, I don't it, even was, it was. It was probably 20, probably between 20 and 25 years ago is when that yeah. was. So, yeah. yeah. Ba- basic, basically, basic, basically it, uh, it boiled down to, I was being a turd. And I have no idea what I was saying, but I was I was trying to rib Todd in some way, and yeah, and then my my t shirt was fodder for for all of his comeback jokes. That's good stuff. Uh, but let me just say let me say this: that was uh, you know when you're in the trenches, you can't, you can't you can't you can't just depend on any phrase or anything. This is battle talk. This is that's right um since we're talking about casting namor i think this is as good a time as any to uh um maybe throw a hat in the ring uh shout out to dolph lundgren <laughs> absolutely maybe he could be considered um i'm, I'm for feeling namor. i'm feeling a running theme going on the hunt talk hard Shout out to Dolph. All right. Um, <laughs> let's take one more quick break before we get into our Mount Rushmore's, and um, we'll be right back. Psych. This episode is super long, like they've all been. So we'll actually cut it right here, and we'll make the Mount Rushmore of Funny Men a standalone episode. So come back for that next time. I will not tell you to walk softly and talk hard, because it's Alan's thing. I'll just give you a, a wink and a nod. <laughs>